The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to episode number 338 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the wiry Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? That is not because I had an extra cup of coffee. No, it's because my beard is, I don't know. I called it a hollow beard. Yeah, I think hollow hollow is good. Uh, I'm wiry, like I said. It's like you and I are just destined to not be handsome. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, facial hair is so in right now, and uh, you and I just we're, we're no, just we can't do that. Boys. No, no, it's it's like my hair is bleeding out of my nose. Oh, lovely! Uh, for my that's, mustache. That's a- that's some that's real grandpa stuff right there. I know. You know I, mean? I know. It's that's it's not fine. As fast would say, we have faces for radio. Yeah, yeah, we got um, we are, radio. We are going to talk about the top 100 today. Yeah, Can't we're going to talk about the top 100. We also had, uh, it's not just the top 100 that's very exciting, right? It's, there's an updated um, matchups to who has the best matchups. Uh, oh, yeah, the, uh, XP. the expected uh, SP schedules as well. I'm looking yeah. at next week and the week after, so you can really jump ahead. Absolutely. Because we're getting there. I mean, we're in the final, really, for most leagues, the final four or five weeks of the regular season. Um, there, you know, you, there could be a lot of parity in your league. You, you, you need this to be able to give you the edge. Um, you know, with that said, Nick, maybe what we should do is we're, we're going to breeze through the top four or five tiers because all those guys are there. Trade deadlines are likely passed. We know who's who's doing you favors in the top couple tiers, and maybe we'll focus a little bit more on the lower tiers because those are the guys that you might want to be streaming. Obviously, mm. if you're looking to know who you're going to stream each day, you can check out uh, you know the SB Roundup. It gives you a good idea of who to stream that morning, gives you who to stream the next morning. We got live stuff in the morning. You can go talk to Nick live on Twitch. What are you, what are you laughing at? Because it's not the S- okay. The SB Roundup reviews the night before. You can check out the SB mm. streamer rankings on the site, and I do them live on Twitch in the morning. 9 to 11 a.m. I might be switching it to 10 a.m. to noon because I need sleep, y'all. <laughs> I'm thinking but, uh, OG when they used to be one yeah. big old chart. They used to be. I used to, yeah. yeah, back in the day when I also had the day after tomorrow's streamer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I got rid of that one. Sorry. It was just, it always changed is the problem. Sure. And that's, uh, I can't live like that, you know. I need some. You can't live with that much constant. change. 
in Can't my, live with that much change. Yeah, that's why I throw out my pennies. We're we're gonna get through brutal. We're gonna get uh, <laughs> we're gonna kick things off right away here. Today's theme, uh, a last second pivot. Today's Ooh. theme will be superheroes. Super what was the other one? You, okay, before this, I said, "Hey, do you have a theme?" I always want to make sure Fast isn't making it up on a, as he goes, which you just did. And, no, I, uh, no, wrong. Okay, wrong. I can't because I, can't I was look. so upset with my yeah? first one. What was your first one? Colors. <laughs> that's it. The sound you just heard is Nick <laughs> choking on his water. Yeah, that's why I didn't like it. I mean, didn't you mention it like last week? I was going to say between the buried and me, and you know, all, all of that because they have colors and colors too. Oh, colors, two yeah, yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe it's just always my fallback, and we're never going to get to colors. It's always going to be no fallback. But for now, we're going with superheroes. We're going with superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. we, we should, we'll, we'll kick things off then. Well, I'll give you some time to think about who you think the best or your favorite superhero is, because this is always an interesting interpretation is tier one, your favorite or is tier one, the best. And if so, who's the best tier one, one through eight, Jacob deGrom, Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, Shane McClanahan, Sandy Alcantara, Zach Wheeler, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole. What's it called? And why is it called that? I mean, there are many interpretations for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I won't get cute about it. I'm going to say Kevin Conroy's Batman. It's just Kevin, like who Kevin Conroy, the guy who did oh, the, voice, Con- for, yeah, the yeah, voice for the okay. animated series. I, I, I said grew Kevin up with Costner. that. I thought you said, Kevin wow. Costner. No, I was never. like, what is happening? Yeah. That's Kevin just the merge of our worlds. That's it. Uh, and look, I could have said, I could have saved that one for when he doesn't have a stuff. He still is very good. Right. Like he doesn't have superpowers, but sure. This is going to be very nerdy. I'm not actually that nerdy about superheroes. I just remember when I was four years old racing home because at 430 is exactly when Batman started. And I had to watch that. That's very cute. That's all. That's very cute. Well, uh, Batman always has his foil in the Joker, just like Sandy Alcantara always has the Dodgers as his. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, well, I'm thinking back to 2021. Didn't he have like two blow up starts and both of them were against the Dodgers? And we were one like, was against Alcantara's. the one was in cores. One was against the Dodgers. And it was just one the was worst thing the ever. So here we are embroiled in what is shaping up to be a fun race, not just for AL Rookie of the Year, of course, but also for Cy Young and a lot of back and forth between Tony Gonsolin and Sandy Alcantara. And then here we are with Sandy Alcantara going up against the Dodgers and getting pretty shellacked, not able to get out of the fourth inning with six earned runs, one walk and five Ks, you know, not not the first it's the first like major blow up if you want to call it that i mean a major blow up is sadly what happened to michael kopech today even though that was as a result of injury yeah we'll talk but he's had some four earned run blips in the past couple weeks what are you thinking about sandy alcantara and why is he remaining firm at the number five spot look i understand i he had this blow up against the dodgers he's going to get them again had a a blow up against them last year he had a 192 ERA and a 0.94 whip going into this game with 173 innings, the most of any starter in the majors. Hmm. I'm actually looking since May 16th. I'm sorry, May 11th, just two games under seven innings for Sandy Alcantara. Since May 11th. Think yeah, about that for a second. Un- hold on, let's internalize. This is not heard of. No, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you don't, you don't hear that. So that man is still there. I uh, unfortunately he gets the Dodgers again. I actually kind of love it because I want that opportunity for Sandy to say, look, I am not this man. Yeah. I'm going to get my revenge. I am sure. going to be okay. And honestly, I watched this one still throwing a 99, 
know, yeah, he left a little bit, uh, some pitches up that the Dodgers did um, take advantage of. But, I mean, a lot of those times, those are not uh, hit or gone for hits or whatever. So, now Sandy's still great. Not to mention the other guys in this tier, uh, Zach Wheeler, some problems yeah. there with the Mets. Uh, yep. You have Verlander allowing three runs, three runs for two starts now, which is unheard of for him. Yeah, and then, human. and then Garrett Cole, you have of course what he's going through. So it's not like there is a de facto man to leapfrog Sandy anyway. So I just left it. I think you know, obviously, you would expect that any ace should be able to uh, handle any team. That's what kind of gives them the ace is going to ace label. But then there's also the Dodgers who are just like on a historic run. Yeah. right now overall so it kind of is what it is it does stink that he goes uh, back to back against them but let's go ahead uh, like i said i want to breeze through these first couple tiers let's move on to tier two this is nine through 15 carlos Rodon, shohei otani dylan cease julio urias brandon woodruff joe musgrove and max freed and what's it called and why is it called that all oh, right i don't know um i yeah it, oh um huh <laughs> I don't know many tier two, baby. We're tier two. <laughs> I don't know many superheroes. Okay, I'm gonna say Captain America, America, because he was always like second to Tony Stark. Okay, all right, right. Fair enough, but still, just but like good. a lot of people will be like, "Hey, no, I prefer this guy over that guy instead." All right, good. This is gonna be, this is gonna be a good one. I can tell we're shaping up for yeah. some really good stuff down the line here. <laughs> um, all right, great. The person I wanted to talk about in this tier is Max Fried. You know, makes his return to the bump after a brief IL stint. Uh, seven innings pitched. Does exactly the kind of thing that you would expect Max Fried to do, which is, you know, get a good amount of called strikes, have an okay amount of Ks, limit the whip, uh, and and go seven strong here. Um, obviously, it was it was the concussion uh, for those who weren't familiar. Um, what are you thinking about Max Fried moving forward? I think he's great. I think he's a stable arm for your squads. The 23% strikeout rate prevents him from rising further up the list. All these guys in tier two should be very studly for you. Uh, Max Fried is wonderful. I can see a case of putting him behind Urias even. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's no problems with Max Fried. And one conversation I was having during the stream today uh, in the morning and a little bit more in the list is how many just really great starters there are in the first the top 20 or so. And it's going to make next year's drafts, I think, easier for finding a good rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. It might be even inher- uh, emphasize those that want to get three early starters uh, more so because it is somewhat lopsided this year of the top 35 or so. Um, and then it's, it gets harder. But that's, let's talk for the offseason. Something I'm starting to notice as they really haven't well, changed that much through the year. You did say you did say it's for the offseason, but a quick question. I know you, you just said that, but a quick question. Yeah. Where is the SP1 ending for you right and now next, for next season? For next season, that's a great question. Like, would you have you, Darvish, or Shane be, be comfortable with them as your – well, let me have – this isn't a you question because you're totally different the way you draft. But if you're it's thinking – It's a Darvish a, question. Well, yeah, it's a dark question, but it's also like I can't no. say would it be an SP one because for you it would be an no, it would be no. an SP one. It's oh, never mind. Fast. Um, he said it was a you question. Anyway, I no. Oh, okay, okay, very good. Um, very good. Well, it's interesting because there is a de facto tier one. Mm-hmm. Uh, now me being a guy that's like, no, it's all right. You can have more stuff. Like for example, entering this year, 
my ideal draft strategy was around six, seven, and eight going Musgrove, Galsman, and Manoa, right? And hopefully you're able sure. to get McClanahan in the ninth. Like that was like great. And maybe 10th uh, Verlander, like along those lines of getting three to four of those was what you're going for. And that worked out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, also there was some Trevor Rogers thrown in there, right? There was uh, uh, other bumps in that, but still for the most part, if you were able to target that along with ADP, that worked out for you. Um, I don't know how that's going to fall yet. Uh, I, and, and I think that does outline how you want to approach it. I'm just understanding uh, the entire field is part of the whole strategy of what I suggest then uh, for your targets. But that said, yeah, I think I'm still going to be okay getting, you know, doing this round six through 10 strategy, even maybe more so than other years because it's very full before the drop-off. Uh, I mean, even in tier four, who we'll, which we'll get to, um, there are a lot of, obviously we'll get to it, but there are a lot of guys. I'm just like, that's that's a sud. You know, next year I'm going to be so thrilled having these guys as my, what, I have to get them as my SP2, three? Like, yeah, all right. That sounds fine with me. So, well, yeah, it, it, I'm curious already how 2023 is going to shape up. Yeah, I was already thinking, I think a lot about, where Aaron Ashby is going to be in top 100 lists next year. Oh, yeah. Now he's um, on the IL, which I didn't know until. Wait, after what? I when did that happen? <laughs> About like an hour ago. <laughs> With what? Uh, I believe it was a shoulder thing. I have it right here. Hold on. But uh, yeah, Aaron Ashby's now on the IL, just in case you guys know. Uh, so he would be off the list. Shoulder inflammation. Oh, God. Jason Alexander was going to be, is recalled and going to pitch in this place. And you don't want to wow. do that one. He's going to have to get in pitching shape because he is not. Okay. Um, a lot of people have made the Seinfeld joke. Yes. Same name I fast. I didn't, I didn't say it was Seinfeld. It could have been from okay. his cameos and curb. It could have been. Um, all right. Uh, is he in Dunstan checks in? I don't think so. Um, I know, right, but I did make to... that joke in the Dustin May write up because I couldn't help myself. Because you Please couldn't help it. Yeah, exactly. Tier three here, 16 through 23, Alec Manoa, Aaron Nola, Logan Webb, Shane Bieber, you Darvish, Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo, Chris Bassett. What's it called and why is it called that? Um, it's called the Shazam tier because I think some guys forget they exist and he's all, they're also like absolute studs, you know? Mm. So like, hey, like we're really good and we, we're like Superman. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, Alec Manoa falls uh, one, as does everyone in this tier, because of Max Fried's re-inclusion in this list. But two things I wanted to talk to you about. One, he struggled in his past couple starts. He wasn't able to get out of the sixth, you know, giving up seven run runs total to the Orioles over 10 and two thirds bounces back pretty well um, against the, uh, the, the Yankees, especially with that slider as yes. it picks up seven whiffs. I mean, that really seemed like the major story because he didn't have it really in either of those starts against the Orioles. The last time he had ended up pick the last time he picked up more than five whiffs on that slider. Uh, you got to go all the way back to the middle of July against mm. Kansas City. Uh, what are you seeing here from Alec Winoa? You think this kind of signals that he's refound that pitch? That is a, the major deal uh, for me. There's two halves of this. There's that slider, obviously 40% CSW and 35 thrown is a huge deal for Alec Manoa. Four-seamer command, I think, was pretty good um, up in arm side. That's why you want to see. That means he's able to jam like Aaron Judge and everything. Now, keep in mind, the sinker is not what we want it to be. Uh, when the pitch is going, it's a 35% plus O swing, and this one was 25%. Second four is 21%. 
Uh, it's not quite the uh, the pitch that it used to be back, say, against the Red Sox uh, or the uh, the Royals. Royals was a 50% O swing in that one as he threw it 21 times. That's kind of what we're going for. Uh, so that's still one last element to be done. But the fact that he has that slider cooking means great things. That's why we had eight strikeouts against the Yankees. I will say the Yankees are not the same offense they used to be two months ago. Still sure. an impressive feat. Glad to... to take advantage of it then however you want to phrase it uh alec manoa is in a good place i didn't feel that i needed to adjust from last week okay uh like i said moving quick through these top tiers here spent a little bit more time in the lower tiers tier four 24 through 33 from rivaldez tony gonsolin kevin gaussman charlie morton blake snell lance lynn spencer strider tristan mckenzie kyle wright and zach gallon what's it called why is it called that <laughs> racking your brain for superheroes over here. No, I have one. Um, it's my mother. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because she doesn't have a cape. She doesn't have an ace is going to ace, but not all heroes wear capes fast. Okay. That's quite beautiful. That's quite beautiful. Um, wow. Uh, all right. (laughs) The person that I want to talk about in this tier is someone who very fittingly, rises seven spots okay and why do i say very fittingly this is the first season in which zach gallon has gone uh into uh completed the seventh inning this was also the first start in which he went into the eighth inning in his career he delivered i i think you can say unarguably the best best start of his career i mean 12 k's is a career high for him with just four hits no earned runs no walks and like i said a career high in innings as well the curveball was was straight cooking this is exactly what people were hoping to see for zach gallon and the other thing too is he's coming off Two more consecutive seven uh seven inning starts. That's without an earned run. Yeah. Without an earned run. That's including cores, baby. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you're right. You see it against Pittsburgh and you're right. All right, yeah, good. That's what you should be doing. And then cores, you're like, okay, nice. And then against San Francisco, San Francisco obviously really slumping hard, but like that's a pretty amazing stretch here for Zach Gallon. Yeah, it's pretty wonderful to see. Uh, last start, this one against the Giants, to see that curveball get 10 whiffs on 26th thrown. 57% O-swing on it is glorious, 42% CSW. It's exactly what you want to see out of the pitch. I will mention, I uh, the changeup was good. The cutter is still not really the pitch we want it to be. Mm. Uh, and fastball command was all right. It wasn't this, oh, hey, I'm going to put it exactly where I want. He had 16 called strikes, which is not something to expect every time to have about 37% uh, called strike rate. Yeah, not typical. Uh, So Zach Allen is in a good place. I think this was an extreme of a start. I didn't want to overvalue this one outing. But right, three in a row is great to see. This was the best one of the lot as far as getting curveball whiffs, only three whiffs in Colorado. Um, and and five against the the Pittsburgh Pirates, but it's felt the most complete of them, and hopefully he does uh, take this with him moving forward. Speaking of not overvaluing one outing, there's one guy that I want to talk about in the next tier who had an mm. outing that me white might just want to ignore, and we'll get to him after this break. 
Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show we're back. Uh, you couldn't hear this, but in the break, Nick was going, is this person a superhero? And then I'd say, no, Nick, that, that's not a superhero. And he was, Lies. Superhero? He's lying. Uh, tier 5, 34 through 42. Nestor Cortez, Tyler Anderson, Christian Javier, Reed Detmers, Freddie Peralta, Jordan Montgomery, Adam Wainwright, Dustin May, Lance McCullers Jr. What's it called? Why is it called that? It's called She-Hulk because um, a lot of these guys, I go, well, that's a nice surprise. Oh, and uh, you know, I saw the first episode, thought it was great, and uh, I, you know, just had never really heard of She Hulk before, <laughs> and I was like, I have no expectations with this, and it's good, sure. and that's wonderful that it is good. So, yeah, like look at all of these, and tier five. I mean, really, like two guys, or yeah, yeah, two, three of them, I'd say, uh, all shock me here. Yeah, the, the, I don't know if this is the person I want to bring up that I hinted at before the break is a person of like, are they? When the Hulk turns into the Hulk, are they pre-Hulk? I'm talking about Reed Detmers. We were so excited about him last week. Hey, it's finally figured it out. He's on this this fantastic stretch for him. He's going up against the Tigers. They literally can't do, uh, you know, anything against, uh, 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 well, no, we said righties. We said they couldn't do anything against righties, and Detmers is a lefty. But he still drops the ball pretty hard with 10 hits, four and runs, two walks, and three Ks. Are we just at a point where his next start against the Blue Jays, we're seeing, hey, if he turns it around, we're fine. We can count it off as a blip. But if he regresses again, we're thinking mm, he's kind of droppable. So, okay, well, let's hold on a second. Um, the rule of thumb is one starts an, ex- uh, an exception, two starts suggestion, three start confirmation, right? So we have one start of it being bad. Feels like an exception. I have to lower him because I hate doing dramatic, massive drops whenever possible. And I try and get ahead of them if I can. Uh, so that's what I'm doing with Detmers here because the command on the four seamer and the slider were the two main catalyst, catalysts for his success were not good. And you, we've seen here, even against the Tigers, if he doesn't have those, it, he regresses to how he was before the minor league stint. So that's what happened here. It's about, all right, Detmers, you're not always going to have it. We're not expecting you to always have it. Mm. But I have yet to see you now go through your adversity period, right? As I talk about it often when it comes to young starters getting their first moment in the spotlight of performing well, they are going to hit a bump in the road. And how do they respond to that? Uh, Redemmers now has the Jays, not an easy team to face. He does have a slider that can mess them up. That is a lot of right-handers down and in. They will go chasing at him. He can get a lot of swings and misses on that. So I hope to see it. And we very well could. I wouldn't say that a bad start there equates to a drop. He still could turn it around right away. He would still have the tiara. He knew the adjustments he made for the minors, and they came back and did well. He just needs to make those adjustments again. 
hopefully he does. I'm still holding right now. I actually would be tempted just to start him against the Jays and just hope that that was a one-night bland uh, for Demers before. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that boat as well. The other person I wanted to talk about this year, though, uh, it, Dustin May, he jumps up 10 spots up to the number 41 spot. I mean, listen, if you're on social media, you, you saw what the reaction was to Dustin May's return. It was very, very good. 41% CSW. You got the King Cole, which is the best CSW on the day, picking up seven whiffs in that curveball, 10 called strikes in that sinker. Just really electric stuff. But if you read the roundup, it seems like there's still – some concern here, not necessarily just because of the 71 pitches, but maybe that four-seamer might not be heading in the right direction. Nick, what are you thinking about Dustin May? So uh, <laughs> um, we have this really fun thing on our site uh, that is our essential, uh, just like the stack S sliders, we have ranks of, of stats. And you can see all the red and everything. Among mm-hmm. all starting pitchers, this player ranks it um, this. So if you go to Dustin May's page and keep it's in like mind his what hair. <laughs> it, what we do is we give them the amount if they were qualified, and then we put up an error saying needs more playing time to qualify. But if they did today, this is where they would rank. In ERA first, whip first, strikeout rate first, CSW first, fastball velocity third. How dare Loser. you? Loser. Uh, swing strike rate first, hard contact rate first, ground ball rate first, X ERA first, X Woba first, walk rate 184th. Um <laughs> But, I mean, that goes, goes to show, like, how dominant that star was against the Marlins. I do want to mention it was the Marlins. And yeah. watching this one, I put out the YouTube video this morning going over, uh, striking out the side. If you actually sit there and think, how many of these pitches did Dustin May execute exactly what he wanted to do? Not that many. Hmm. And that might be a hindrance for Dustin May in the future. We've seen this before. If a guy comes up, does an amazing thing. I think of Brandon Finnegan way back when and, like, 2015 or something 16 had the best first week of the season or whatever and then i mean he got injured but he was never the same again and we never really ever believe that to be real guys do this and the one area where because comes back to bite them is well were they precise or not and if they weren't their stuff was just leading the way against a bad offense and that's what it was with the marlins so i did move them up because the stuff is back to normal the curveball spin is insane. I think there are a lot of things about just how it was like 3,400 RPM. And you can see that they move like anything. Yeah. No, um, no. But it's it's wild a little bit. And there's 11% walk rate, 184th in the majors. So I, I do wish we temper expectations a little bit. At the same time, he has to be picked up everywhere and started. I mean, he's going to get the Marlins again. And yeah, that's pretty dang cool. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm saying he's not necessarily a top 20 guy and not to mention Dodger Wright is a thing and how many pitches he throws sure. and all of that. But um, you're going to see some mistakes and you're going to see some mistakes punished. And I'm curious how the dust will settle here with Dustin May. All right, uh, let's move on then to the next tier where we're going to start breaking some of these guys down a little bit more, getting to the nitty-gritty a little bit. Tier 6, 43 through 50, Pablo Lopez, Edward Cabrera, Miles Michaelis, Marcus Stroman, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Jeffrey Springs, Jose Urquidy. What's it called? Why is it called that? Oh, gosh. All right. Um, This is called... Uh, I came up with one, but not for this one. Um, oh, I, I'm trying to think of superheroes, man. Uh, Ant-Man. He's involved, okay. but he's no one's favorite. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's, oh, I don't even mean for this to happen, but we're going to start with Marcus Stroman. Um, oh, no. Why? He's, he's, the, he's not a tall pitcher, but I didn't even mean it like that is what I was saying. Um, Ant-Man? Oh. Yes. Um, I mean, well, you know, that helps with his stuff. It is in no means yeah. a judgment on him. I love yeah. Marcus Stroman. Um, yeah. We're going to start with him, though. He, he, something very interesting in that most recent start against uh, Milwaukee, something that we haven't seen since his third start of the season against Tampa Bay. What What was it? you have any idea what I'm talking about here? Uh, are you talking about 19 splitters? Talking about 19 splitters yeah. with five whiffs for him. Uh, the second highest splitter usage of the year for him. Uh, what are you thinking? Are you thinking maybe this is just something that he pulled out just for this one start? Maybe something to get a little bit more excited about? I mean, it's not like it was, uh, you know, he had four walks and, you know, two earned runs, five Ks, yeah. seven and two thirds. I'm not, I'm not too amped about it. I mean, sure, he had five whiffs on it, 37% CSW, but it, it, with splitters, you don't want to really see them land in the zone a whole lot. And it looks like you have the intent of going pretty much under the zone a lot, or about half of these and the other half are just kind of floating up a bit. And um, that's very susceptible. A splitter that's in the middle of the zone is as hittable as anything, more so than I think a lot of pitches. Mm. Uh, and it's more dangerous to do that. Uh, I, I, I think I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too excited about it. I think it's just kind of Marcus Stroman. Marcus yeah. Stroman's fine right now. Cool. You did what you're supposed to do against the Milwaukee Brewers. That's wonderful. And you went seven innings on a 7.2 innings, which is the bigger deal considering the last two starts were five and 4.2. Sure. Um, and that's good to see. I mean, same pitch counts above 90 and all, but still glad that he was able to go through that many innings. Jose Arquiti rises 16. Yeah. I'm looking back a few starts ago against Texas where he, he got hit for five and runs over five with two walks and four Ks. He was trying to do something really interesting with his four-seamer where it seemed like he was trying to elevate and go glove side, but it was leaking towards the heart of the plate. And then as a result, it got punished a little bit more. Uh, we see a little bit of a different approach in his start against the White Sox. But then if you're looking at the strike zone plot against this Atlanta start most yeah. recently, uh, yesterday so, or Sunday, seven or uh, seven innings, two earned runs, two walks, six Ks. But that it, it's always nice when you can see a plan in a strike zone yes. plot, right? Because sometimes you can't. But when you can see a plan, you can look at that strike zone plot and you say, all right, we are pounding up and glove side away with the four seamers. And then he executed on this plan. There are a few errant ones, maybe some that he, you know, missed a little bit on, but there's a really good game plan here. And he executed. What are you thinking about Jose Arquiti and why is he rising 16? So the problem with Arquiti, I think is he was ultra reliant on that four seamer for a good while and didn't really have the kitchen sink approach that we saw or we, we wanted to see entering this year that really made us excited about Arquiti is that, look, he's got all these options, change up, curveball, slider, he's got a fastball, like it, it's all there. And he wasn't really doing that. And the last couple of starts, he's leaned more so into those secondary pitches. Last two, we have 38% usage instead of 50% plus um, that we had been seeing. And that's exciting to me to see those other pitches come out of the woodwork and do well. The curveball at a 52% CSW against the White Sox. Then you see the change of do well, 20, uh, throwing you 20% usage, 35% CSW. Those did well, 50% O swing on them. Yeah, the four seam up and in um, to lefties there, as you were talking about. That's great to see. It, it It's all working. It's, it's firing all cylinders is what it feels like for Jose Arquiti. Now, mm. I don't think he becomes like a top 40 guy. I don't have him right there. But this feels a lot more steady. And the Astros have a really nice schedule the rest of the year. 
So I think you can start Urquidy confidently through the end. Aside from the Orioles, who they play seven times. Um, moving into yeah. the tier seven, 51 through 59, Frankie Monta, Sonny Gray, Jesus Lazardo, Joe Ryan, Brady Singer, Lucas Giolito, Drew Rasmussen, Merrill Kelly, and Martin Perez. What's it called and why is it called that? This is called Aquaman because if it doesn't pan out, you're swimming with the fishes. Oh, very lovely. Who better to start with than Sonny Gray bouncing over, coming from a really great start? I believe he's going either today or tomorrow as well. Uh, Kansas City. On last Tuesday, six innings pitched, one walk, no earned runs, 10 Ks, three hits. He gets the King Cole on that start in large part thanks to that curveball, which maybe looks like it's having a little bit of return to, oh, yeah. to, to, to you know, form here. 39% CSW, eight over 31 whiffs in this one on that curveball. Finally, it's about dang time. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I... I I still am waiting for the slider to become a bigger pitch. Only 15% CSW in this one. But I see that curveball do wonderful things. Hover the uh, down and glove side area of the zone and underneath it. I don't want Sonny Gray to be the guy that just goes fastballs, four-seam sinker, and then get through his starts that way. That is not how Sonny Gray has success. It's just not. Um, Now... Do I think that Sonny Gray's curveball is back completely? No. Do I think that this is everything? I feel as if he still needs a slider a bit more. And we haven't quite seen him sustain this for a while, but it's a good indication um, that at least he's taking a step forward in the right direction. And like, okay, maybe this is the start of something really cool. So I'm excited about it. Are you, it looks like he is starting tonight against um, the Rangers. Uh, the I'm going Rangers, for it. Yeah. Uh, I started good. there. Yeah. And then he gets San Francisco. So two nice oh, yeah. starts. Let's go. Sunny Gray this week. Let's move on then to Jesus Cesardo, who rises nine spots close to that top 50. Once again, um, you know, another guy who, you know, we've been talking about the Marlins who got uh, shellacked against the Dodgers and he was not one of them. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to make the Dodgers swing and miss. And it's even more tough to make them do so 13 times on the same pitch which is exactly what Jesus Lazardo did in that start. I mean, he dominated with that pitch. What are you thinking about Jesus Lazardo? Jesus Lazardo has come back from the IL. And before you know, before he returned, back in April, what got me excited about Jesus Lazardo was a couple of things. One, scratching the sinker in favor of four seamers. Two, throwing four seamers at 97 as opposed to 95 and change. And three, leaning on that curveball about 40% of the time, or at least focusing on the fastball 40% or less. And what we've seen coming back is the curveball has not been very good. Uh, the fastball has been more sinker than four-seamer and more about 95 and change. However, this changeup is insane. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. in these four starts, he has yet to have a start where the changeup is under a 25% swing strike rate. All four starts have had above it. It averages a 31% right now in those four games. 41% CSW, 100 batting average allowed, 32% usage. It's not like this rare pitch that he's throwing. This is absolutely killing it right now. Mm. And I I first saw it and I said, okay, this is abnormal. This is not the Jesus Lazardo that I saw having success. I can't just jump in on that because it's not, you know, it's not the story that I know. Sure. I'm buying more into it now because it's been four straight starts of it. And he did it against the Dodgers and he did it against Atlanta as a Southland. Now keep in mind, that was a worse overall start against Atlanta five innings, four and runs, 
fair. Still, I think that pitch was really good there. Obviously, this Dodgers one with seven strikeouts, 6.1 innings with 13 whiffs on it. Oh, man, I am I'm hankering for this changeup now. I think it's really good. Um, he locates it down in the zone often. He does float it into the zone a little too much in the middle at times. But man, I, I'm I'm excited about it now as long... It, it can go really two ways now, right? It can be exactly the same thing moving forward, and that seems like that's a good thing. Fine. Or the curveball and fastball could catch up to it, right? Can actually, uh, you know, add to this. And that's the sure. thing that I'm hoping will happen. Now, there's a third scenario where the changeup goes away, and the fastball and curveball are not good either. And that's really a problem. I see that as, you know, if you just want to do stupid probabilities and not give any weights, which you should, but whatever, that's two out of three outcomes that are okay. Then, all right, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep going for Luzardo, right? Uh, I hope that's the case. As long as the changeup stays at this level, things are great. And four starts. I mean, that seems pretty awesome to me. I'm really, tr- uh, this is, oh my God, wow. So this is a fun exercise here. Fun. I'm trying to see, so the Dodgers swung and missed uh, 13 times at a changeup, right? And mm-hmm. thanks to just the beauty. Oh, this is fun. Nick, this is fun. Is it fun? We got a fun one. We got a fun little, <laughs> we got a fun little break here. Okay. Okay. We got yeah. a fun little break. So Jesus Cesardo swings, uh, gets 13 whiffs from the Dodgers on his changeup, okay? From what I can tell so far, there are two other pitches that have elicited 13 whiffs from the Dodgers. Two other pitch types, okay? Meaning, now, from what I can find, too, they have yet to swing and miss at a particular pitch type more than 13 times so what he did tied the record for most whiffs from the dodgers which is very impressive however one pitcher got the dodgers overall to swing and miss 13 overall times on a four seamer which pitcher was it which that was the longest question i know i know i'm trying to clarify i'm trying to clarify let me do it again oh my god everyone is like oh baseball has specific stats yeah yeah Um, all right so which pitcher had four seamers missing 13, 13 times yeah. this yeah. year? Uh, yeah. And while you think, let me restate the question so it's clear. The Dodgers yeah. have never swung and missed at one particular pitch type as a team more than yeah. 13 times in a game. However, Jesus they have Cesarlo, Jesus Luzardo did it with his changeup 13 times. Uh-huh. One pitcher did it with his four seam 13 times. And one pitcher did it with his slider 13 times. Okay. The pitcher who did it with the four seam is an NL pitcher. Who is it? The pitcher who did it with his slider is an AL pitcher. Who is it? Okay. Carlos Rodon? No. No. I'll give you one more guess on four seamer. Give me the division. Uh, give you the division. It yeah. is the NL Central, and yeah. these aren't theoretical surprises. Like this person is known for his four seam, yeah. and that person is known for their slider. Okay, that makes it, I think, a little easier. I had an idea. I mean, did Brandon Woodruff do it? No, good guess though. Uh, Burns. Mm-mm. No, I mean he's it's a cutter with it. I want to say like Justin Steele, but uh... <laughs> you, I'm gonna say it, and you're gonna go, oh yeah, of course. Um, this year, oh yeah, it was Eric Lauer. On the tw- no, and the you're thinking no ah uh, four seam great four seamer in the NL Central. Uh, all I can think of the Cardinals and the uh, the Cardinals and the Brewers are the only two teams that exist in the NL. Yeah, Central, exactly. Though. 
There's also the Pirates, the no. Reds. Yeah, I know the Reds. You're leaning in on the Reds. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Tyler Malley did it. Yeah, he did. No. What? I could have sworn he. Okay, who was it? Hunter Green. Oh, yeah. I remember that West. one. That was in, That's... I think, yeah, April or May or something. Like, or I don't know, actually. I don't. I remember this ridiculous start while all of a sudden he. It was April. Did well right. against the Dodgers. Well, I, I probably said every month there. Don't give me any credit. April, <laughs> April 16th. Who, this is an AL Central. Dylan Cease, did they face him? Dylan Cease. Okay, that was my first thought. Okay. That's very, that's a cool fact. Only three pitchers have gotten 13 whiffs on a single pitch type from the Dodgers. Dylan Cease's slider. I was wondering to myself, sorry to interrupt you. This is what I do all the time. I'm the worst. I'm I'm terrible. Um, I was going to say to myself, man, Nick, this might be the only podcast where you might not go a little bit long. But you made it. Look at you. You, th- you didn't trust me when I said we're going to spend more time on the back end? I, d- I honestly didn't, no. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, no, I, I do it for a purpose. So we're going to stick in this tier, too. We're not moving on. We're sticking with this tier. Yeah, there, well, there are we're a lot talk- of guys here, yeah. There's a lot of guys here. Now, I don't want to move off of Luzardo. There's one last point I do want to make. Oh, I went back. Ahead, I thought, sorry. you know what? Let me actually see, because it feels abnormal to me that Luzardo is doing this. Let me look at stuff beforehand. His last two starts, he did increase the, the changeup usage, and he did actually have a lot of swing strike games with the changeup. It was overall 15% usage, though, before the injury. Last two starts, he used it more. Final one, he got hurt. You know, it wasn't a good outing. Um, and the one before that, it was actually solid, and it complemented. But, yeah, this kind of stretch with the changeup isn't really something we've seen before. Very good. Um, there's Who do one you want? person... There's one person in this tier yeah, who fell pretty precipitously despite the fact that yeah. they're coming off, ooh, I don't know, like six or seven or eight quality starts in their last like six yep. or seven or eight. And that's Merrill Kelly, uh, six innings pitched, three walks, three and runs, seven hits, six Ks against a great offense in the Cardinals. Obviously a very poor quality start, still a quality start. Yeah, not really a CSW darling, but didn't really do too much different. Although you're you're hitting him down pretty hard. What's the logic behind this? Big it's fall just kind Kelly? of some uh, some reorganization mixed with the fact that I think the Diamondbacks do not have a good schedule the rest of the way. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about that with Merrill Kelly, and I think his stuff is fine. Uh, he's had this glorious season. I. Uh, but yeah, it's not like Merrill Kelly is just, oh, you know, he's winning me my leagues right now. Like from this point moving forward, I don't see Merrill Kelly as a sub three ERA pitcher. I just don't see it. I'd wager that he's not the rest of the way. So with the tough schedule ahead, without his stuff being exceptional in any real way to me, I, I lowered him down to here. I still recognize that you're going to hold on to him and start him. And yeah, that's where he is. But he's not like Miles Michaelis. He's not like Adam Wainwright. He's not like Tyler Anderson. He's not like Jordan Montgomery. These other guys that are not necessarily these exciting strikeout names. I mean, Montgomery's gained them again. But yeah, you're going to you're going to keep starting Merrick Kelly, but he doesn't deserve to be the, uh, the, the high regard he was before. We're going to move on then to Tier 8, 60 through 66. Andrew Heaney, Nick Lodolo, Patrick Sandoval, Justin Steele, Michael Walker, Mike Clevenger, Sean Manaya. What's it called and why is it called that? Well, okay, hold on. Frankie Montes well, okay. and Lucas Giolito. Okay, Frankie Montes and Giolito just fell like fifteen spots. We talked about uh, Montes last week. I know. Just saying, like, hey, it's just not getting better for him. Okay, Lucas Giolito. It's getting to the point of you might drop him, and that's okay. 
Uh, the changeup needs to get better. Fastball velocity still a little bit down. Martin Perez takes a dip because the changeup is getting worse. Mm-hmm. And it is another start of it getting worse. So I'm scared. This might be, you know, I understand you can start him another time or two, but don't hold on to Martin Perez too long here. Um, and then Drew Rasmussen, once again, and a lot of whiffs, a really good cutter and slider. He goes 10 spots above those two cats, you know? So, all right, that's all I got. All right, good. Uh, what What is that next year called and why is it called that? It's called Cyclops because, um, you know, sometimes he'd be great, but if he opens those eyes, oh boy, it's disaster. It's a disaster. And we'll get to some of those, but we'll start with uh, the good stuff first. Nick Lodolo, we were kind of dumping on him for not really seeing the stuff that we were promised. And then what does he do? He comes out against Philly and he gets 11 ball whiffs and a 37% CSW real nice pitch mix. Just kind of keeps it even kind of, he doesn't elevate the sinker. He keeps it pretty low, but keeps the curveball right below it. What are you thinking about Nick Lodolo moving forward? Yeah, I do hope that Nick Lodolo can get the, I don't know what I just called him. Nick Lodolo can get him, uh, get his fastball up more as opposed mm-hmm. to that YM lock that is at 35% right now. And one at 29% YM lock is height, middle height, and you want it to be mm. elevated, not middle height. Middle height is the worst. Um, so you want it at 35%. Sorry, he's at 35%. He's at uh, league average is 29. Get that lower and get more high lock. Uh, now, it's also kind of like a four-seamer, to be fair. Uh, he has one of those lower arm angles that gets distinguished as a sinker, but we've seen from, say, like Andrew Heaney, uh, for example, that it's really a four-seamer at heart. Um, and those normally have a 51% high lock and... Lodolo has only a 43% right now. So hopefully he can get that up. Uh, but I still love his, his curveball. Um, he has a 21% swing strike around the pitch, 33% CSW this year. Uh, while the changeup can do a little bit more, I actually believe he axed it. Um, mm. A question. No, he um, he got rid of it. Uh, only six thrown in that last start. And sadly, I do not have data for the previous one. Uh, I watched it, but it was a Field of Dreams game. Uh, and I don't have it, so I, I don't I don't have that on that one. But the curveball looked a lot better, a lot more whiffs. Fifty eight percent O swing on it is glorious. Um, as you can hear Zelda in the background, and all oh, poor can, Zelda. You can hear I'm sorry. Oh she's, no, she's, she's, no, 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 she's not crying. I think she's she's just babbling and talking. Uh, oh she really? Loves oh. Lolo. She wants. She wants to <laughs> yeah. It's uh, she's like the the PC kids or so oh, no, when you Nick Lodolo. Oh, she's crying. She's okay. totally crying. Yeah. <laughs> and then you laughed on the podcast great yeah there it is how dare you uh dad i uh, 33 swing strike rate on the curveball across 33 throne is a wonderful thing and he gets the phillies again i think he's still a cherry bomb but has the opportunity to soar past them if i came up to you and i said and you didn't watch any games that night and you came to me and you first actually and you said alex how did patrick sandoval do and i said he did great he had 12 whiffs you would say oh my god i'm so glad his change up is back and then i'd say no nick 12 whiffs on his slider and you yeah. go oh, what patrick sandoval with the career high whiffs on the slider against detroit when that dominant complete game shutout just four hits nine k's no walks pull the maddox here fewer than 100 pitches just brilliant from him but again not with the changeup with the slider uh, enough to boost him up 10 yeah i mean all right the slider's is good then things are great 74 percent o swing is what okay okay buddy at the same time i need to see that changeup working 
you know, and without that changeup, I, I don't believe that he can just be fastball slider. That's that's a problem. Uh, the Tigers are really bad too, and maybe this got into Detmers's head as he couldn't come through on Saturday after the follow up of Patrick Sandoval. But yeah, I mean, it's nice. This is why he is a cherry bomb. You can't be one without something sweet. Here's the sweet. Now, hopefully, he keeps doing that. I'm not buying into him completely soaring now because of this. Mm. Um, the next person we should talk about is Mike Clevenger and whether or not he's droppable really has this start against the Dodgers. And you're like, all right, it's fine. He did okay to start and he fizzled off, but we can allow that. Then he goes up against Washington, five innings, one and run, four walks and three Ks. And you're like, all right, I, I guess I kind of survived it. He got me the win. That's fine. You think, all right, he's going to go into Miami. He's going to dominate that weaker offense and you get one strikeout. Now he's going up against the Guardians, his former team. But you have to figure if he's not giving you a serviceable start tonight, which is Tuesday night, if you're listening to this now, probably it's probably time to just go ahead and cut bait with Mike Clevenger if you haven't already. Yeah, it's bad because the breakers are just not getting whiffs. And they didn't against the Nationals. They didn't against Rocky Road. He hasn't, he didn't even do it when he got eight strikeouts. That was just with the four seamer uh, against Arizona. That's not it. Oh, and throw in the fact that he was at 93 as opposed to 94, 95 in that most recent start against the Marlins. Four walked, one strikeout. How am I going to butter my bread with this? Hmm. It's just not, this isn't the Clevenger that we expect him to be. I am still going to, give him some credit of hey before you used to have a breaker and it's possible that that pitch is found more so than someone else performing at this level but yeah i don't really want to start my clevenger a whole ton right now it is a 363 era and a 121 whip at the moment for the year but it does feel like it's going to get worse it's going to be another guy, not to think too far ahead, who's going to be very interesting to see where he is in people top 100 next year with a full, healthy offseason. Obviously, we'll have to see where he ends up uh, as he will be a free agent this year. But obviously, you know, we could be having a, a conversation about whether Mike Clevenger is someone's pick 300 next year, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, let's move on to tier nine. No. Tier 60. What? No, oh, Nick. What? No. We got to talk about Justin Steele. Justin Steele and Michael Walker. And Michael Walker. They both did great again. Great. Look at the list. Another 10. 10 Oh, my God. They get another 10. We spoke about him last week. Who cares? It's amazing. 10 whiffs on the four saver, not four on the the slide for Justin Steele. This is incredible. Get him. Nick Ho's and Michael Walker has a 228 ERA and a 104 whip. What? Oh, oh what? this is the first time I, I made her cry again. 338 episodes. I got to play. Guess who Nick wants to talk about? I, all right. I, I will say at the end of each tier, is there anyone else you'd like to hit up on? So we're going to move on to tier nine. Six, I try I try not to have weekly repeats. That's my whole thing. 67. Let's just quit. Let's just quit, six, just let's just quit right now. Let's just quit. 67. Quick. My daughter. Oh, uh, 67 through 76. Jose Quintana, Corey Kluber, Noah Syndergaard, Jameson Tyone, Erod, Luis Garcia, Jose Barrios, Aaron Ashby, Rowan Z. Contreras, David Peterson. What's it called? Why is it called that? The Flash, because we're going to go quick. Okay. We're, oh, we're going to go quick. You don't quit. You want to go quick. <laughs> I want to go quick. 
Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and I'm not going to make any more jokes. Corey Kluber, the first person that I want to talk about, he he rises eight. Someone that we uh, obviously weren't paying too much attention to because of that shellacking that Baltimore gave him. But, you know, listen, <laughs> who remembers you struggle, that one? You struggle against the good offenses and you do well against the poor ones like the Yankees, oh, where he okay. goes six innings okay. with two earned runs, four hits, one walk and eight Ks, earning himself a uh, a King Cole. Now, didn't we used to have, maybe I'm totally wrong, didn't we used to have how many King Coles and Gallows Poles they got over the course of the season? Yeah, we have two. Uh, up on their, uh, yeah, yeah, he's got two. two. That's his second, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that is his second King Cole of the year. Uh, obviously, the, 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 the cutter here leading the way here with the nine whiffs, just really spotting the heck out of that pitch and that start. What are you thinking about Corey Kluber moving forward? Corey Kluber's fine. I mean, yeah, his cutter was really good in the start against the Yankees. Had nine whiffs and 31 thrown. Um, I mean, I feel like Corey Kluber's just been a solid guy for you all year. I haven't given him as much credit as I think other people would want me to. It is a 433 ERA, but I think that's more of just some really bad clunkers that got in the way. Maybe I should be uh, punishing him for those. But just seems like, all right, as long as you're not facing a tough team, you can go after starting Corey Kluber on a given night. That's what mm -hmm. a Toby is. Um, the other person I wanted to hit, well, there's a few more I wanted to touch upon in this yes. series, just, just so I don't get yelled at. Um, <laughs> and the first one is Noah Syndergaard, who also rises nine spots. Eno Saris with the very fitting tweet today where he said, you know, Noah Syndergaard's four-seamer grades out to be one of the worst in baseball by Stuff mm. Plus. And I believe he also said the changeup was not very good as well. And what happens when he goes from a team that actually probably looks at baseball savant? They get rid of the four-seamer. They get rid of the changeover. They significantly drop the usage, and they amp up the surprise, surprise slider and sinker usage, turning him into a pretty new pitcher here. And what have the results been? Pretty good. You know, obviously it wasn't a fantastic start against the Nationals here, but maybe that's what happens the first time he was trying to tinker. But since that point, back-to-back -back starts against Miami and in Cincinnati, 13 innings pitch total with five earned runs, two walks, and 10 Ks. Not fantastic but better than it has been are you thinking that this pitch utilization change can lead Noah Syndergaard to being a fringe top 50 pitcher again well that's a little deceptive because yeah the 39 percent usage of the slider against the Marlins and then only 14 percent against the Reds where it was sinker four seamer most of the time there I I I think Syndergaard is who he is you'll always have an elevated Babbitt uh, his his whip is always going to be high. He's a Toby. Like you throw him out there and go, all right, this will be six innings, hopefully of two three runs. Call it a day. Let's go get a beer at the pub. Okay. You know? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um. Eduardo Rodriguez returns. Uh. From, from hey. his stint away from the team. Uh. Debuts uh, or re-debuts this year against the Angels, going five with no one runs, three walks, and. 5Ks, you know, we hadn't seen him since May. Uh, not really sure what we were going to be getting here. And we actually ended up getting a, a pretty decent start. Now we just kind of have to think about what Erod's going to be for the rest of the year. Is he going to be what he always has been, which is a high 1.2, low 1.3 whip guy with like a, you know, is, is this a guy who's going to help your team get to the playoffs? And if so, is he going to help you stay in the playoffs? Yeah. Okay, so Eduardo Rodriguez, entering the year, you're saying, oh, Eduardo Rodriguez, get him out of Boston, get him to the Detroit. You have a better division, mm -hmm. which is really funny because he had one of the worst schedules ever to start yeah. this year. 
I mean, just in an absolute nightmare. And you have that really good four-seamer. I think that we think the changeup could get better. And then all of a sudden, eight right is fixed. And what has happened? The four-seamer from a 15.5% swing strike rate last year has fallen to a 7.5%. And I was hoping that maybe after this that we'd see some life back into this. Mm-hmm. Um, high lock, high location was about 50% of the time. Um, last year, it's been about 30% uh, this year. And we did not see high fastballs in this uh, return. The changeup not missing bats, one whiff. <laughs> uh, one whiff on the four-seamer in 26th thrown. He had sinkers, sliders, and cutters. And he was just like, all right, I'm just trying to grind out five frames here, which he did. But this is not the Eduardo Rodriguez that you want him to be. Can he be a Toby? Maybe with this stuff. But he is not the top 40 possible pitcher that you envisioned entering the year. He still has work to do. There is a possibility Eduardo does get better after the first start back from the IL. I call it a still ill for a reason. Mm. Same time, 91 on the fastball, not 92.5 that it was in 2021. There is a lot of work to be done. Uh, Lord knows you're going to want to talk about this guy who's been struggling recently. He falls 18, uh, Luis Garcia. Um, It's funny, at the beginning of the year... I knew it uh, at the beginning of the year, you know, you got through an okay March and April and then really cooking with gas in May over 27 innings pitched. He had a 267 Woba against a 233 ERA. And then it has gotten progressively worse for him uh, month over month over month and has really not been pretty ever since the all-star break as both the ERA by month and Woba continue to climb. What are you thinking here from Luis Garcia? First of all, I would watch a YouTube series that is fasting cooking with gas. Cooking with gas. Uh, cooking with gas. It is my propane. Um, but uh, <laughs> last five starts have been an atrocity for Luis Garcia. ERA over five, whip over 1.5. Uh, slider usage or slider CSW has gone down tremendously. Um, I think he's getting gassed a bit. This is what we saw last year, ending with Jorge Soler's home run. And I think it might be more of the same for Luis Garcia down the stretch as the slider isn't as good right now. And he's trying to make it work with four seamers and cutters. And it's not quite the answer. It's it's a problem. Uh, and I don't think it's necessarily going to go away anytime soon. The last five starts have been also against I mean, Oakland, the Red Sox, Cleveland, Oakland, and the White Sox. And it's allowed at least three and runs in all of them. Uh, so I'm a little bit worried. It is a nicer schedule down the stretch which is why he's still, you know, rosterable here, but it could be harmful for your teams. I don't know if I, I mean, he has 30 fewer innings than he had last year. That would be kind of surprising to me if he was already. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, no, 30, 30 fewer innings last year. Yes. But it wasn't, it wasn't like he got gassed at the end of that season. He was the second half was way worse last year. Wasn't I thought it was just the last month for him. It was about the last two, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong in this, uh, but I do remember a lot of like, hey, is Luis Garcia okay? Is he fine? Is he not? Mm. And it's it's seemingly uh, similar now. It was yeah, it was just September. Okay. It was just September. Yeah. So um, you're out of gas then. Maybe this, it's something carrying over maybe the playoff run too. I don't know. 
When you're cooking with gas, you'll run out of it. Um, one thing I want to know about uh, Rowanzi Contreras, who is minutes away from making uh, his start against Atlanta, would you be starting him tonight? Nah, I have in the bottom of the questionable starts here, which I'm more harsh on these days. Um, that is, I will put starters I don't like in the questionable one as proper questionable. Um, and I didn't like his command with his fastball. Love to slider, getting a lot of whiffs, but I think there's. Still polished left for Contreras. Atlanta can't put on runs in a hurry. Um, I think it's too risky for me. Anyone else in that tier you would like to discuss? Oh, look at you. You were so kind fast. Uh, Jose Quintana's command was really bad last start. Uh, And it's the first time I've seen that in a long time from him. So hopefully it's not the beginning of the end. Aaron Ashby's on the IL, as I mentioned. And David Peterson is technically not allowed to be on the list, but I cheated because Taiwan. I didn't know if Taiwan Walker... Or sorry, rather, the Mets hadn't confirmed it was him against the Colorado Rockies. It should be. There's no way it's not in my book, but fine. Not fully confirmed. But because it's Rocky Road, I want to start David Peterson. So I wanted to get him on the list so people could know that. Okay. Tier 10 here, 77 through 87. Ranger Suarez, Ross Stripling, Drew Smiley, Josiah Gray, Eric Lauer, Taiwan Walker, Cole Irvin, Alex Cobb. Alex Wood, Michael Kopech, who sadly will probably not be in the list come tomorrow, and Domingo Herman. What's it called, and why is it called that? It's called Soldier Boy because they're coming back from prior dominance uh, to actually be irrelevant again. Very, uh, who kind of more fitting to lead off that conversation than uh, kind of draft day darling for a lot of people in Rangers Suarez? So really difficult start to the year for ranger suarez posting mid to high four eras in march and april and may uh and then here we are in august there he is what is he doing he's cooking with gas he's got a 19 (laughs) over 19 and a third uh innings he's got a 1.86 era he's only given up uh four total earned runs in the month of august and even before that he ended his july really well against pittsburgh most alarming though i mean again he did it against pittsburgh but it's kind of rare for him the eight k's i mean really Mm. looking good especially with that change up in that most recent start in cincinnati what are you thinking about ranger suarez yeah we need to see that change up working um that was a major part of his success last year uh and as long as ranger suarez has maybe cutters he's also introduced which are nice and fastballs and sinkers along the edges and then has that change up to go under the zone that's peak ranger suarez and we have a decent schedule ahead for the Phillies. So maybe he does roll with us. Um, after, next week, it's going to be the Giants and the Nationals and the Marlins, uh, which is lovely yeah. for uh, for Ranger Suarez. And this week, uh, we have a lovely start against the uh, the Reds hosting them. And then he gets the Pirates. So that's five straight amazing matchups in a row for Ranger Suarez. And it seems like it's all coming up Millhouse. <laughs> so I this is probably the time to jump into Ranger Suarez. I will say I have not seen consistency from him all year. So I don't know if he's going to regress at all. He needs to still be at a good enough ability to take advantage of it. But it might shock a lot of people. His ERA has fallen to 331. Mm-hmm. It's not the elevated four or five that was in the first half. He's really turned it around here. Uh, and I just cross my fingers he can pull this off. 
Uh, Ross Stripling returns to the list and his first start back against Baltimore was almost a perfect one as he was completely perfect through six innings, then kind of gets removed just as a precaution because it's his first start back from the IL goes six and a third with no walks, just one hit, no K's, excuse me, I already said no walks, seven K's. Uh, He's got a two start week this week. The first one, a difficult one against Boston uh, and then has an easier start against the angels with that said though he has faced difficult teams this year um you know just being in the al east and he's done well against them it's kind of unfair to cite the 2.93 era and 2.88 fit because there are a fair amount of relief appearances uh, nearly 10 on the season so far but he's exceeded expectations been a very good reliable starter for the blue jays this year what are you thinking about ross stripling ross stripling I, I mean, he faced a really bad offense in the Orioles that didn't do anything with it. I'm just kidding, fast. I just want you to look at me again. I just wanted you to look at me again. All right. Uh, Changeup was good. Six whiffs on that. 17 thrown there. He went both sides of the plate with sinkers and four seamers, which is what you want to see. Arm side sinkers. I'm all for that every single time. He also threw curveballs for strikes. This is the good Ross Stripling. And as, as long as he has this, things are good. He gets the Red Sox this week. That is a questionable one for me. You could do that. And the thing is, he gets the Angels after that. So if you want to get on Ross Stripling, you might need to get in also for the Red Sox because it's going to be really hard to get him if he does well against Boston. I picked him up. Um, we should also talk about Drew Smiley. I mean, we, we talked about him a little bit last week with the 9K game against Cincinnati and then not as stellar um, against uh, the the Nationals, but still five and a third uh, two earned runs, no walks, four Ks. That's serviceable for you. He just said, you know what? Again, uh, I'm just going with with curveballs and sinkers. I mean, before he would mix in a few cutters, did that against Miami, did that against San Francisco. But he says, no, I'm a two-pitch boy now. And he just split the line down the middle, really? Just going sinkers up, curveballs down. Uh, what are you thinking here about Drew Smiley? Do you remember the end of 2020? how Drew Smiley had a 94-mile-per-hour fastball and we all went berserk. Yep. He threw 93.6 in this one. Uh, And he also executed the Blake Cell blueprint. Those fastballs were up. I mean, that was a massive high lock uh, in this one. And then he had the curveball down. And his YM lock for the entire start was only 19% as he had amazing pitch separation. That's that's what's up. (laughs) That's that's what I'm looking for. Uh, I don't know if I can buy that sticking because it isn't a typical thing for Smiley to have that velocity and amazing pitch separation. He's been good at getting the curveball down, but not necessarily getting getting that uh, sinker up. But this is, ooh, yeah. If only I had that data from the Field of Dreams game. Dreams game, yes, yes. If only! Oh, God, it is frustrating. He Uh, did have a 52% O-swing, apparently. But I don't know. I don't know how much I believe it. We'll see. You uh, it says a zero percent zone rate. How am I supposed to believe this? Yeah, you can't. The the two <laughs> largest fallers in this tier, we don't really need to talk about too much in Taiwan Walker and Michael Kopech because both could theoretically be hitting the IL or at least one yes. is conditioned. I mean, Taiwan one Walker is-, is pitching tomorrow, but Kopech was a weird scenario before. I'm just like, all right, I don't want to deal with this. Your boys, Alex and Alex, are have weird schedules, and they're one of those guys you just jump in for a moment to get like the Cubs when they face them, and then you don't start them anymore. Yeah, man, it's a shame Alex Cobb didn't pan out the way that we wanted him to. I've never, it's rare, not since Mitch Keller a couple of years ago, have you been able to write off nearly a full season to bad luck. 
uh, no, but it's not like yeah, he's been... I remember that one. Oh man, I billion Babbitt. <laughs> uh, I do remember the beginning of the year getting a DM from you saying, "Am I crazy?" But I want Alex Cobb instead of Alex Wood. I'm like, "No, you're not crazy. I can see no, it the other way." And yeah, it wasn't Cobb. I mean, it wasn't Wood. It was John Means. Oh, John Means. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I'm just saying, like, yeah, it's it made sense. And it's also I, I was just laughing because like I have Cobb one above Wood right now. Yeah. I thought that's what it was. Like, well, you got it. You know, it's just both of them. I think both of them honestly had bad luck this year. Um, oh. Alex would actually pitch a lot better than I think his, his stats are showing. I don't know. It's interesting. I might be super in deep next year. On, we'll on, on wood? Both. Oh, interesting. Um, tier 11 here. Or uh, Was there anyone else, Nick? At 10? No, there isn't. Thank Going you once, for asking. Twice. It's so kind of you. Tier 11, 88 through 94. Johnny Cueto, Dean Kramer, Jacob Junis, Aaron Savale, Jake Odorizzi, Nick Pavetta, Kyle Gibson. What's it called? Why is it called that? Um, Spider-Man, because they're just so excited to be involved. <laughs> okay. Uh, good place to start there with Dean Kramer, who's starting to look like a little bit of a different pitcher, going with this kind of cutter, four-seam mix, getting rid of uh, the other pitchers, not going to them quite as much. And the cutter has been a really, really good pitch for him. Uh, it has a 14% swinging strike rate, um, It has, uh, which is about... 3% over league average has a uh, 311 Woba against, which is about 50 points below league average, or I guess better than league average, I should say. The cutter seems like it takes a, a good amount of different shapes here. I've seen really tight cutters from him. I've also seen more sweeping cutters that would seem like you would definitely categorize it a little bit more like a slider. Um, but still, it's been a nice couple starts from Dean Kramer, more noticeably, even more so against. The Red Sox last night, who, while they were uh, struggling quite a bit offensively, have since turned it around, especially in the All-Star break. Uh, what are you seeing from Dean Gramer that has him debuting on the list? Well, he was sitting about 92 to 93, and then all of a sudden, last two starts, he's been sitting at 94, and mm-hmm. a little bit of change after, which is lovely. Uh, the command of the cutter was really good in that start against the Jays. A little bit worse against the Red Sox, a little bit more sporadic overall, but yeah, he threw a lot of strikes. He threw harder and uh, he got his outs. I mean, I think Dean Kramer is someone to consider against the right matchups. I uh, don't always just blindly throw him out there, but yeah, Dean Kramer. All right. You're looking more like the guy at the end of 2020, not the one we saw for all of 2021. The other guy on here uh, was actually the person throwing against Dean Kramer last night and Nick Pavetta, who had a very frustrating first inning yesterday against the Orioles, which featured Tommy Pham diving for a ball in left field that he dropped. Oh, yeah. It was then ruled an error. And then another bobbled ball by the shortstop, I believe, or maybe second baseman in the shift. I can't recall exactly. I think it was. Uh, both were ruled earned runs. He was shouting things that probably little leaguers should not have heard as he left the mound in the first inning and then bounced back with a vengeance picking up nine K's against the Orioles. Thanks in large part to that four seamer. It's funny. You usually think about that curveball. There were a few that the Orioles were not able to lay off. Same with the slider. Uh, but what do you think? You're the face here. Does it really uh, leave me too excited here? About Nick well, Kramer? I mean, our data is messed up because uh, the StatCast data had a slider ranging from 75 miles per hour to 95. Yeah. Uh, I put out a tweet about it. Uh, so it's, it's harder to to tell exactly but i watched it, it. and when i saw what i yeah i mean he had both you see the velocity bands going up and down it's pretty fun 
Uh, but I do think what we saw overall was like, hey, he threw a lot of strikes. <laughs> That's what matters most. He got a total of uh, 14 whiffs in this one, which is great. Actually, 17 whiffs rather um, across all of his pitches. I'm, I'm happy with this uh, from Nick Pavetta. As long as he's getting his four seamers up, which he did for the most part, and keeping some breakers down and being able to throw them for strikes, he gives himself a chance to be successful. Nine strikeouts is an amazing thing. Do I think that Nick Pavetta is not going to be the guy that all of a sudden for two months this year was super helpful for teams? Probably not. I don't think his command is fixed or anything. But he's someone to consider uh, when you're looking for a start over the weekend. Okay. Um, All right. Let's move on then to if we're good to the final tier 12, 95 through 100. James Caprillion, Marco Gonzalez, Graham Ashcraft, Austin Buff, Zach Plezak, and Matt Manning. I know my name for them, and it ties together this entire episode, but what is your name for them? Professor X, because it's all in your head. Oh, very nice. Uh, I was going to go with, do you remember the name of the superhero movie that Jason Alexander was in? <laughs> really? <laughs> it came no. out in 1994, one of my no way. favorites. One of my no absolute way. favorites as God, a little kid. No. Oh, mean, was, he, oh was, he, was he like Lex Luthor? No, 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 no. Uh, I loved this movie. <laughs> he would, as he would make a good Lex Luthor, maybe. I don't know. It starred the Wayans brothers. Oh, God. Damon Wayans was the lead. Uh-huh. Blank Man. Loved Blank Man. If there are any other Blank Man fans out there, please reach out to me on Twitter. Oh, that reminds me. You want to hear something crazy? This is a little bit of a digression. Let's go. Yesterday, I yeah. went to uh, the Hollywood Bowl. Okay. Very first as one does. Beautiful yeah. venue uh, in in in, uh, in in California, uh, in L.A. to go see this band Hiatus Coyote that I really like, this Australian kind of jazz band. And when we left, we left a kind of weird way. We like accidentally went backstage. I don't know how. I was like, is this the way out? And they're like, yeah, sure, because it's just California. And then I got this this tweet from at Tweems, T-W-E-A-M-E-S, that said, at the risk of coming off like a weirdo, I think you just walked by me backstage. Yes! Uh, which is great. <laughs> and then I was like, pretty much like, how did you know? And I was wearing an Adley Rutschman jersey. To of this course you yesterday, were. So he was like yeah. pretty easy to pick out. But if you do listen to this podcast, hello. I believe he is a member of the <laughs> of the of the Philharmonic or the orchestra. Fantastic. Oh, wonderful. Beautiful experience. But that was that was really cool. So um, the two people that I wanted to talk about in this year, we're going to start with Zach Plezak. It's always funny to see a guy fall so much and still at that low on the list and still remain in the top 100 because clearly he made a conscious choice of yeah even though he fell 12 even though he just got hit hard against the tigers i'm still going to keep him on here why is that so there's a lot of debate a lot of people wanted zach Plesak off of this i i think that tiger start wasn't actually him pitching that badly he had a lot of bad luck goes away um, Zach Plesak, to me, is still someone who has a slider that he gets whiffs with, a changeup that he gets strikes with, and can survive on a given night. I feel like he's, of all the other options out there, I'm like, all right, yeah, Zach Plesak can still be helpful for your fantasy teams. Last but not least, number 100, very much reminiscent of that meme of that girl who looks at something like very interested and then, you know, turns her eyes away and then thinks about it again and then goes back. You know what I mean? That back and oh, forth yeah. one. Oh, because mm, here we have. Mm, yeah. Mm, ah, 
Mm. Uh, he, he returns in August against Minnesota, and you're like, oh, one K, three and runs, five innings. Not for me. Four walks, no thanks. Then against Tampa Bay, seven Ks, no one runs, three walks over seven innings. All right. And then he goes to the White Sox. He gets hit 10, 10 hits overall, four and runs. And you're like, all right. And then here we are against the Angels. Zelda's very thrilled about it. One walk, six Ks. Is are we all being fooled here? Or are we setting ourselves up for failure? He's or? at 100 fast. He's someone interesting. Okay. All right. He has patterns. 94.5 on his fastball last two starts after being around 93 or so. Um, better slider too. And I do wonder if if he can be in the mold of say your James Kerpillian, your Cal Quantrill, your Anthony Descofani, your uh, your fastball slider guy. That can mm. just get through six innings and be all right as a Toby. That could be the future of Matt Manning, as I don't really like anything else inside that repertoire. So we'll see. At least it's something, as I've been out on Manning for a while. But fastball velocity 94.95 is very good. And if that sticks around, we might have something. All right. Um, Nick, so who is your no, answer for the people? Who is your favorite superhero? I mean, it was Batman. I said, I told you that it was, it was indeed Batman. Yeah. Cause you I mean, yeah, it was just that. what I, yeah, it's what I grew up watching and stuff. I mean, with all the Marvel stuff, I think, I don't know. I don't know. Tom Holland's Superman or uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Thumbs up or thumbs down on the most recent Batman film. I, uh, the most recent Batman. Oh, the one with what's his name? Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing that everyone feels great. First two hours, really bad last hour. Not ever, ever. No, wrong. Uh, the last, right. the last, the last hour it was like such a drag. Wrong. Uh, they they created this horrible climax because they needed to have one that is so dumb. And but it, I thought it was a really, I thought it was really good having the Riddler as kind of like a common person. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really smart. It was a really nice tone and everything. But yeah, that was that was unfortunate. But yeah, I enjoyed it. All right. Well, you'll have to hear about us debate this a little Sorry. more on the Nick and Alex baseball show. Why would we put night. the people through that? That's <laughs> well, all right. If they're still here at an hour 14, they deserve a little insight into our lives. Um, all right. That is going to do it, though, for episode number 338 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week.